0: All right. How's everybody doing tonight? Pretty good? All right. That was pretty bad, actually. <laughs> Let's try that again. How is everybody doing tonight? Pretty good? All right. Much better. Much better. There we go. There we go. All right. Now sit down and shut up. All right. <laughs> I'm just kidding. All right. So tonight, we're going to be starting a new series tonight. And I before we get started, I want to ask you guys just a quick question um, of... What are some things that you love? I need somebody to raise your hand and tell me. What are some things that you love? Yes. Cats. Okay. Who else likes cats? Anybody like cats? All right. All right. Nice. Cats are pretty cool. I prefer to, This is going to sound sacrilegious. <laughs> Andrew. Stop. 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 Too far. Too far. Uh, my friend. Sports. Got to love sports. All right. What else? Yes, sir. Isaiah. Food, gotta love food. Zane. Love God. What a Christian. Wow. Way to way to make everybody else look terrible. So cocky. Alright, no, I'm just kidding. Yes. Chicken. Pollo. Yes. Alright. Uh Wyatt, go ahead. Sheldon. Okay, let's move on. <laughs> All right. All right. So. So we're going to talk about, uh, we're going to be talking about love, and, and guys, I got to tell you, obviously, I'm a, I'm a person, there are a bunch of things that I love. I love my family, I love uh, movies, I love um, food, you know, especially Italian food, and Nick Dotson's begging me to, no, I didn't, I, I had a sentence, I was, Nick Dotson's begging me to say him, so Nick Dotson, I love me some Nick Dotson, he's awesome, but that's not applause worthy, all right? So. Uh, I, I want to tell you guys real quick. Look, you guys just noticed this is my second tattoo. I only have two, but this is my second one here. And believe it or not, there's meaning to this one, and it actually goes really well with our lesson, so I'm going to tell you. So I got it before I went to Cambodia. So um, they say whenever you get a tattoo, don't go and, and let it bake in the sun or it will fade. So it kind of faded on me, so I'm going to go get it redone. But has anybody here ever seen the movie Interstellar before? All right. I lo- Do you like that movie? This is a gra- okay. I, he's awesome. All right, I love this guy. Interstellar is one of my favorites, okay? It's got uh, Matthew McConaughey in it. All right, all right, all right. Which he doesn't do in that movie. But, but it's got my, my favorite director. It's the guy who wrote and directed it named Christopher Nolan. And this is a movie that is, is really cool in the concept and that Earth is dying, you know. There's this blight that's going around killing everything. So they decide that they're going to go off into the stars and try to find a new place to live. And what they find is that they get to this other planet and the gravitation is different on that planet, meaning that a minute on that planet is like uh, two years back in our planet, okay? So the, the moral of the story is you don't want to stay on that planet too long or years are going to go past on, your, on, on Earth back home. And so they needed something off of this planet, so they decide, all right, well, oh, it's going to be terrible, but we're going to have to give up some years back home. But we've got to go on this planet and get it. They go on the planet, and the worst happens. Their ship gets all uh, like, uh, uh, it fills up with water, so they're not able to take off right away, and they end up being gone for, like, 15, 20 minutes, which is years and years and years when they get back, and the scene, when he gets back, they fly back out off that planet into this spaceship that's waiting for him, and their buddy was on the, the uh, that, that ship waiting for him, and when they get on the ship, he's, like, old now, and he was like, you guys have been gone for so long, you know, and he goes, how long were we gone, and he said, 20-something years, so he runs over Matthew McConaughey, and he's really sad. He's like, all right, all right, all right. You know, and he's, he's running over, and he finds his TV screen. And what he does is he presses play because his family has been sending videos from Earth. And the saddest part of this movie is watching 20 years' worth of growing up that he missed of his children. Now, parents in the room, this is a teary moment for parents, right? You kids probably don't care. But for me, I was like, you know, I'm a dad, and I was just sitting there, and I was like, oh, I was like, this is terrible, man. This is, look at this. He, his daughter is growing up, and she's, like, growing to resent him as she gets older. And she's like, Dad, why aren't you, why aren't you writing back? You said you'd never abandon me and stuff. And he's just weeping and weeping. And so I got this tattoo here because in that movie, time is a very, very uh, – it, it's like a character in the movie. And love is a character in the movie. And some people say the best way the, the, the way you spell love is T-I-M-E. you got to spend time with your loved ones. And so I got this tattoo here. It's a clock. Uh, one is on the five, one's, uh, vice versa, five and 11, which is the two months that three of my children were born in. And it's the idea is make the time count, you know, make the time with my kids count. And then we had our fourth kid. And so I've got, who was born in September, so he ruined everything. So I got to go get a new, uh, I got to get a new hand on my arm. So I'll take up an offering for that later. All right. But that movie, what's cool about it is they talk about how it's all multidimensional. And they're like, nothing can go through these dimensions. They wish they could just go through one dimension and bring everybody back in, but they said, no, what's the only thing that can cross dimensions? And they say, gravity and love. It's this weird thing, love. You ever thought about what love is? It's, it's kind of a hard word to define, right? In fact, let me ask, does anybody in here would be willing to try and define the word love? Would anybody like to give it a shot? Oliver, why don't you stand up and tell us what you think love is? I'm curious. No, just stand up, bro. Come on. Life isn't that hard that you can't stand up. Tell everybody what love is. <laughs> All right. Yeah, yes, yes. Yes. Guys, that right there is, God, he got the achievement, uh, Lifetime Achievement Award at, at Winter Camp. So good for you. Good for you. Love is the equivalent of eating a king-size chocolate bar, apparently. There is a scientific reaction, right? Anybody else would like to seriously tell me what you think love is? I actually would like an adult to answer. Any adult want to tell me what love is? Yeah, any adult? Fred, Fred, what do you think love is? What's love? <laughs> that was Guard the Temple, man. That was a couple series back. Where we've moved on. All right. Riley, hold on. Listen, what's love? What's that? You and, okay, all right, this is not going the way I thought it would. All right. Guys, I'm going to give you, no, there is no way I'm calling on one of you punks. Nope, 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 not happening. All right. So let me tell you what, what, I looked up the word love, and I'll tell you, there's a definition that I thought, it kind of goes with Oliver's, which it was in the dictionary, and I was like, man, this is a terrible definition of the word love. And here it is. Oh, I forgot to tell you guys. Remember, as always, you can go to genoastudents.org and go to sermon notes right there, and all of the sermon notes are on there, including scriptures, all of my main points. So if you don't wanna write it down, you can actually type it all in there, okay? So make sure you go there, genoastudents.org. We're so techy here. All right, let's move on. So I looked up this word love, and here's the definition of it, ready? In the dictionary, the word love, an intense feeling of deep affection. An intense feeling of deep affection. What a crappy definition. I read that and I was like, what? This is not love, right? Because I'll tell you what, I'm pretty affectionate about my movie collection. I'm pretty affectionate about Italian food, okay? I, I'm affectionate about a lot of things. So what is the difference? And in, in, a, in our language, we we I think it's a mistake that we use the word love for almost everything now. In the Greek language, what the New Testament was written in, there's multiple words to describe different kinds of love. And in ours, we, we say stuff like, like, I could be looking at my wife and just being like, Brittany, you are so beautiful. You, I love you so much. And then I can turn and be like, ooh, Taco Bell. I love Taco Bell, you know? And, and I could say the same thing. And my wife's like, you love me like Taco Bell? That's kind of weird, you know? And the thing is, love is its this weird word that we have just, we, we've over-exaggerated it. So I'm going to give you my definition of love, okay? And guys, this is rock solid. I'm very excited about this, okay? Go ahead and put the definition up. Here it is. Ready? There it is. A sacrificial commitment in which, you, in which your needs become secondary. A, a sacrificial commitment in which your needs become secondary. Now, I'm going to tell you why this, I think, is a pretty good definition, mostly because I came up with it. But number two, here's really, I think that this definition encompasses what love is because here's the problem. If you think that love is this feeling that you get, I'm going to let you in on a big secret here. Men, actually women, women, listen to me. Ladies, young ladies who are going to get married someday, okay? I'm going to let you in on the best thing. Ready? You know how like when you're dating somebody, uh, Riley, you know how when you're dating somebody and that, that lovey-dovey feeling comes up and you're just like, no, no, you hang up first. No, you hang up first. No, you hang up first. I love you more. No, no that's impossible. I love you more. And it's this lovey, you know what I'm talking about? I promise you, my wife, when we were dating, she goes, she goes you hang up first. So I said, okay, and I hung up. So ask her, that really happened. I hate that stuff, it drives me crazy. But listen, that lovey feeling that you get, here's, here's the thing, when you get married, listen, when you get married, and every, every married person here can attest to this, that lovey feeling goes away, okay? At least at some point, it might come back, it does come back, all right? But the moment you come home, all right, and your wife is yelling at you because you didn't take the trash out, all right, let me vent for a minute, okay, all right, because I didn't take the trash out because I didn't do the dishes, like I said, so all these things, what happens is if you think that love is a feeling, what happens is in marriage when you're married and, and, and life goes on and that lovey feeling kind of goes away for a little bit, what you start to think is you start to think that you've fallen out of love with this person, and it's bad. I've, I, guys, I'm telling you at this church here, we've had multiple people come up and most of it is actually females now, which is crazy. Like, ladies are coming up and they're just like, I don't love my husband anymore. I don't love him anymore. And the problem is, is that people view love as a feeling. And feelings come and go, don't they? Feel, I mean, come on. Like, just hang out with Zach Burleson. The guy has like 30,000 emotions every day, all right? But feelings come, feelings go. He's happy sometimes, he's upset sometimes. Feelings come, feelings go. But listen, you'll notice that the third word on my definition there is it's a sacrificial commitment. When you make a commitment to somebody, that commitment should be strong, right? It doesn't matter how you're feeling that day. You're still committed to that person. So if you marry somebody and say, I'm marrying this person because I feel love. It was love at first sight. I'm going to tell you, guess what? It's going to go away, all right? But if you make, listen, guys, shh, but if you make a commitment to a person, what will happen is no matter how your feelings fluctuate and stuff, you're still, you, that's what love is. It's, it's, it's an action, right? It's not just a feeling. It's an action. So tonight, um, we're going to be starting a new series. Gonna hit that logo for me if you don't mind. This is our new series here, and it is called Prove It, Prove It, a series on love. Now, obviously, we're in the month of February where it's a lovey time, right? What's what's funny about what's funny about um, va- what's funny about uh, February is a lot of people are super happy, a lot of people are depressed because <laughs> they're like, oh man, I don't have anybody. All right, but don't worry, okay. Valentine's Day is this time of the year that we as a society have said, you know what, we are going to designate a day where we, you have to tell your loved one that you love them and get them something nice, okay. And so I thought it would be a cool series to talk about love during this month of love, and not only that, but I want to talk about how We, when we say that we love God or we love our spouse or whatever, you need to prove it. Words aren't enough. Words aren't enough. In fact, I came home, there was one day where uh, in the summertime, especially when I was in kids ministry, my summers were extremely busy where we'd have to do VBS, we'd have to do kids camp, we'd have to, you know, whatever it was. And I remember I came home one day and I told Brittany, I said, man, I'm sorry, it's been a long day, you know. And she just goes, oh, I don't know. I just feel like our relationship's not great right now. And I said, listen, I love you, okay? I love you. Don't worry. And then she just goes, really? Show me. Essentially she was saying listen if you say if you say you love me you can say all you want you can say it all you want you can say yeah i love you i care about you but if you don't do anything like to prove that like you know i need to help out around the house i need to help take care of the kids and what's funny is there's a book out there has anybody ever heard of the book the five love languages anybody ever heard of this book guys i'm telling you that if you are who in here is single raise your hand should be I, I mean not married okay not married riley raise your hand please raise your hand okay all right you're not married now, listen, Here's, here's a th- I, I want to encourage you guys, get this book someday. And you'll notice on the online notes there, at the very bottom, I actually put the Amazon link to buy that book if you want to get it. But, um, but it's a book called The Five Love Languages. And here's, here's kind of the, the whole gist of the book, is that the author, a guy named Gary Chapman, claims that there are five ways that the person that you're married to feels loved, okay? Because what you'll notice is that when you prove your love to somebody, it changes for different people. My wife is a quality time person, right? The way that she knows that I love her is when I say, I'm going to spend some time with you. And she goes, oh, he does love me, right? But here's, there's five of them, ready? There's one that's called receiving gifts, which I imagine every girl is, all right? But who likes to get gifts? Anybody like to get gifts? Okay, cool, all right. All right. Nick, I'll get you something, all right? So some people, their love language, the way that they feel loved is when you get them a gift, right? Uh, My wife is not that way. She'd rather quality time, which is the second one, quality time. Another one, words of affirmation. I got to tell you, when my wife, whenever I preach a sermon and my wife comes up to me and she'll just be like, you did a really good job, I go, well, thank you, right? I feel it. it makes me feel really good because I'm hearing it from her, right? The next one is acts of service, Okay, like uh, when you do things for, for people, like I know a lot, there's a lot of, of ladies out there who, if their husband came home and did the laundry for them, they'd be like, he loves me. It's so sweet, right? It's acts of service. And then the last one for the gentleman in the back, because I know what you're going to say, it's physical touch, all right? Like hugging, right? Like holding your wife's hand. Sometimes your wife just likes to hold your hand, okay? Now, here's the reason I bring this up, is because we as people, husbands especially, we tend to uh, show love uh, in, in the way that the person doesn't, doesn't feel loved, right? I got my wife a DVD for Christmas once. And guess who loves getting DVDs for Christmas? This guy, all right? So I got her a DVD and she goes, Really? Who are you buying this for? You? And I was like, Crap, she's on to me, all right? So what I wanna do is I wanna show you guys a quick video. This is Jimmy Kimmel. And what he did was, well, I'll let him explain it. Go ahead and hit the video. And one more thing on the subject of love. Valentine's Day was last week, and we commemorated that by issuing one of our very popular YouTube challenges. I asked our viewers to give their wife or girlfriend something she would hate as a gift, videotape her opening the gift, and upload it to YouTube with the title, Hey, Jimmy Kimmel, I gave my wife or girlfriend a terrible gift for Valentine's Day. We got some very creative submissions. We also got some very disturbing submissions. And I'll let you be the judge of which are which. Enjoy. This is... the box that I bought our wedding ring in, and my wife hates lizards, oh my buddy, I splurged. You really got me something from Tiffany? Hold on, hold the box up. I yes. think you just, did you really? <laughs> I'd like you to have this happy Valentine's Day. I can't even think of what ring you're talking about, let's, let's see. Happy Valentine's. That's terrible. Are you crazy? There's bugs in here. Ah, what's on me? Dennis, get off me! Okay, Jimmy, I made a ring out of a kidney stone that I passed. Maybe. It's honey. <laughs> you don't like your picture of Matt Damon? No. Thanks, Matt Damon. You ruined Valentine's Day. <laughs> it's gross. Chicken feet. <laughs> okay. You're always doing dishes, I thought you needed one for <laughs> <laughs> Like What, honey? Baby, you don't like it? <laughs> honey, you don't like it? <laughs> <laughs> honey, you don't like it? We can make a belt out of it. <laughs> Who participated in apologies what a bunch of scumbags huh <laughs> i got some good ideas the guy's the worst one was that kidney stone though that was disgusting all right so here's here's the reason i showed that video is that those guys obviously it was a joke but those guys were sh- they were getting something for their they are saying i love you to their spouse in a way that they that didn't resonate with them they're like hey yeah, I've never said I need a pet snake as a way of feeling loved, right? And so what we're going to do tonight is uh, we're going to talk about why we should love God. And, and and really, the the thing is a lot of us think that we are doing things that prove that we love God, that shows God that he is loved. But God, in, 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 you know, he's looking back and saying, no, 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 That's I don't feel loved by this. There's a lot of things that we do that we think shows God love, but God is indeed saying, mm-mm, nope not feeling it. So we're going to talk about proving it actually all for the next couple of weeks. Let me pray for us real quick and then we'll, um, we'll, we'll uh, do a couple points and then we'll break into small groups. All right, let's bow our heads, please. Dear God, thank you so much for this day and thank you again for everybody that's here. God, give me the words to speak as we talk about love and just how we as Christians need to prove it. So we love you, God, and we thank you and praise in your name. Amen. All right. Let's go ahead and, I'm going to go ahead and start with my main point for tonight. So go ahead and hit that on the screen. This is my bottom line for tonight, and it is simply this. God loved you first even – no, you, I think that – oh, no, I'm sorry. God loved you first when you were at your worst. That's what it is. God loved you first when you were at your worst. Now, if you were to sum up this whole message, that, that line right there sums up the entire message, okay? God loved you first even at your worst. Now, we're gonna break that down a little bit and talk about that, but first, let's go ahead and open up to Romans 5, verse eight. Anybody have their Bibles with them? Awesome, very good, all right. Or if you've got your phone, remember all that scripture is on there, or the scripture is gonna be on the screen, okay? Let me read you Romans 5, verse eight. Here it is. But God proves his own love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Let me read that again. God proves his own love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Has anybody ever heard this verse before? It's a great verse. And I'll tell you what this verse does is it shows us a couple things. So let me give you the two points, okay? Here's point number one. Ready? And it's, go ahead and hit the next slide for me, please. This is point number one, is that God loved you first. That was part of our bottom line. It was the first part. But I don't want you to miss this point because this point is very important. It's, it's, it's easy to kind of look over this. But guys, remember, um, in that in that that passage I just read, it says that while we were still sinners, He loved us, which is amazing. You guys ever been mad at somebody before, and you're just like, oh man, I love that person so much, especially right now when I hate them. You know, like it just doesn't happen like that. Imagine that you guys are in a courtroom, and somebody accuses you of, let's say, you stole two hundred thousand dollars from them, right? And they're in the courtroom. And they, they say, uh, the, the lawyer gets up and he says, This guy stole $200,000 from me. And then typically what follows is the judge or the other lawyer will say, Okay, cool, all right, you've made a claim. Where's the proof to prove to me that this guy stole money from you? And then imagine that the person goes, Well, no, I'm not going to prove it. I'm just going to say it. And you're going to be like, uh, What? And then the judge says, Guilty. And you're like, Whoa, whoa, no, wait a minute, wait a minute. And as crazy as that sounds, we, we do live in a time where right now, literally just the accusation is enough, isn't it? Where they can, people can just say stuff about you with no proof whatsoever, and you're just guilty in their eyes. And this, guys, the, the, reason, the thing about this is proof is such an important thing, especially in our society. It's called the burden of proof, where if you say something, words aren't enough. You have to back it up by showing them the proof, and in the same way with God, it's not enough that we say to God, God, I love you. You have to say, God, I love you, and here's the proof that I love you, and then show him how. Now, over the next two weeks, we're going to tell you ways to prove to God that you love him. But, but for now, I just, again, I want us to focus on that part where we talk about how God loved you first. In that verse that we read there, there's proof of two things, okay? The first thing is that it proved that we deserve a penalty because we're sinners, you guys remember, we, we talked about this. We talked about this when we talked about Jesus as the sacrifice, where Jesus had to sacrifice himself on the cross for us because we're guilty. Everybody's guilty. Everybody in this room has sinned. Everybody in this room has sinned more than once, probably more than a million times, right? We've all sinned. We are all guilty of something, but God... Um, This is the good news. Remember, that's the first thing is that we deserve the penalty. There's proof there. And here's the second thing that this verse proved. It proved that Jesus loved us by dying on the cross for us. What a a great, great thing. It wasn't that Jesus just said. It wasn't like Jesus came down and said, hey, I love these people. Man, I love them, and then did nothing about it. He said, I love them so much, and then he came and died on a cross for us. Don't you think he proved that he loves us? You can say yes. (laughs) <laughs> all right it, it, yeah that's proof right he died on a cross that that is proof right there this guy he didn't just say it with his words he did it with his actions and a lot of times we say things with our words we we say that we love God and then we just don't have the actions to back him up or we have the wrong actions okay so let's go to point number two and then we'll kind of wrap this up But this is point number two and the, the, uh, this this is one of the best things ever okay there's nothing you can do to make God love you less there's nothing you can do that will make God love you less. I think we live in a very uh, guilt-ridden culture right now where, where you do something and there's like no forgiveness of anything. I mean, especially in politics, man. Jeez, they pull up stuff from long ago and, and yeah, I mean, yeah, it was a terrible, terrible thing. But you know, you know who doesn't remember stuff like that is God, right? God, God loved you at your worst while you were still a sinner. So let me ask you this. If God loved you when you were a sinner and then you became a Christian, does God love you and he, could he possibly love you any less? The answer is no. I mean, he loved you when you were at your worst. He loved you when you were absolute bottom of the bottom. But he says, you know what? I still love that person. And it's this weird, you know, God, God has this unconditional love. He's got this love that it doesn't matter what we do, okay? The only thing that matters is that we give our life to him and then he, it just, it says he loves us so much, right? Um, you know, there's, let me ask you guys a question here. Um, can anybody in here guess, all right, who is the person that I love most in this world? I'm not asking, asking any of you guys. Okay, yes, that's correct. Brittany, my wife. She's smoking hot. She's awesome. But here's the thing about my wife. I had this talk with, with a group of people at winter camp where I made the comment that I love my wife more than my kids. Do you remember this, Erica? I made this comment. I said, I love my wife more than my kids. And somebody that was there, they're just like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You love your wife more than your kids? And I said, absolutely I do. I chose my wife. I didn't choose my kids, right? I mean, it's, it's nice, it's nice that, I, that I got them. That's awesome. God bless. Thank you, God, for giving me great kids. But I chose my wife, and she chose me. And guys, and I'll tell you, and here's how you know this is the case. I think that marriage is the definition of a loving relationship because you have to love each other. If you make a commitment, like it's so easy to want to just turn around and say, okay, I'm done, all right, and then walk away. This happens in every marriage. This happened in my first year of marriage where there was times where Brittany was like, we might be done. And I was like, no, no, hold on. (laughs) And then we stayed with it. But guys, the thing is, and you know this is true because, look, uh, uh, you guys, when serial killers are in a courtroom getting convicted for murder, guess who's on the front row right behind them? Their moms, okay? Their moms are still, it doesn't matter. They're just like, yeah, my baby's a serial killer, but I still love him. Like, you know what I mean? And the thing is, you can't help but love your kid. This is why parents will jump in front of a car to save their kid without even thinking about it. However, somebody that you choose to love, that's the commitment right there, Right? You have to commit to somebody. And remember, love is more than just words, right? It's more than just a feeling. Love is the action. It's the commitment. It's that sacrificial commitment in which you put their needs above yours. Now, let's talk about Jesus, okay? Jesus, what did he do? He, uh, I think he died on a cross for us. That was sacrificial. Jesus, he, he died on a cross and gave his life. That sounds pretty committed to me. I'm like, wow, that's commitment right there. And then the rest of that says that, that, uh, that he, put, he put our needs before his. Don't you think he put our needs before his? Absolutely he did. I want to tell you guys a quick story, and um, you can look it up. It's, uh, it's from the book of Hosea. Anybody here familiar with the book of Hosea? Anybody ever read it before? If you ever, if you get a chance to look up the book of Hosea, it's, it's the first of the minor prophets, and you've got the major prophets, you've got the minor prophets. Anybody know why they're called the minor prophets? Anybody? What's that? Because they're not major, yeah. Yeah, they're just a lot shorter, right? There's not as much prophecy in them, so they call them the minor prophets. Hosea, I think, is only like like eight chapters, or what is it, like 12, I think, something like that. But the story of Hosea is a very unique one, okay? And I'm going to read you a couple of these first verses, and then we're just going to talk about... The position that God put Hosea in, because He asked him to do something that was would be extremely difficult. Let me read. Let me just read the first couple of verses. Okay, this is Hosea chapter one. Um, uh, here it is: uh, the word of the Lord that came to Hosea, and then I'll skip all those names. Uh, verse two: When the Lord first spoke through Hosea, the Lord said to Hosea, "Go, take yourself a wife of whoredom and have children of whoredom." What does is, what is this version say? A promiscuous wife. Go and marry a promiscuous wife and have children of promiscuity, and that the land is committing blatant acts of promiscuity by abandoning the Lord. Does anybody know what whoredom and promiscuity is? All right? This is essentially God has told this dude, Hosea, Hosea, I want you to marry a prostitute. (laughs) (gasps) Yes. Guys, I remember reading this, and guys, I could not imagine being a prophet of God, and God says, hey, I need you to go marry a prostitute. And you're just like, um, well, hold on a second. Hold on now. She's going to cheat on me. Like, I mean, that's what she does, right? Like, I, I'm going to marry somebody, and she's just going to turn her back on me. And God says, do it. So he had to marry this, this, this lady. And her name, <laughs> so sad, her name was Gomer, all right, which is pretty terrible. I feel bad for her. But her name was Gomer. So I, wanna, I just want to kind of, I want to summarize the rest of the story. So he marries Gomer, and um, and and what he does is, uh, you know, things are good. They have three children together, and everything's great. But then she leaves, and God tells Hosea, He says, "Go and find your wife." So listen, this is where he gets jacked up. Is he has to go into town and look for his wife? Imagine what this feels like, okay? That you're you're a guy looking for your spouse who is clearly living a life, a sinful life, and you have to go from door to door. Hey, is Gomer here? Is Gomer here? Is Gomer here? They're like, uh no, yesterday, but not today. Sorry. Is Gomer here? Is Gomer here? I mean, it's this it's this terrible thing, right? So at the very end, he finds her again, and what does he do? Is he has to buy her back. He has to buy her back. His own wife. He has to say, Hey, um uh here I I offer this much, let me have her back. And he has to pay to get his own wife back. Now, if you read the story, you might say to yourself, you might just be like, Wow, this is a weird story to be in the Bible, isn't it, Hosea? Gomer? What a weird name, you know? Like, this is kind of a weird story to be in the Bible. But here's the thing that you got to realize is, that, is this, this book of Hosea here is a complete image of God in the church. And when I mean the church, I mean Christians. I mean us, the, the people of God, right? Now, here's what this means. Think back to Israel, right? You guys remember Israel when Moses freed Israel from the land and, of Egypt and stuff? What did they keep doing over and over again? Doubting God? disobeying God, turning their back on God, building this golden calf that they would worship instead of God. And if you link this to this story of Hosea, God is saying he represents Hosea, the church represents the prostitute, and over and over again, we're turning our back on him. Now, here's the crazy thing. I don't know this because my wife hasn't cheated on me, but I, I mean, I, I could not imagine a bigger betrayal, right? Like, th- this is betrayal. When, when God talks about us, you realize that we betray God over and over again. Every time we sin, we betray God, right? Yet, God still brings us back. You have to imagine that Gomer and Hosea, that day when he paid to get his wife back, I imagine that he was probably like, yeah, this is the worst. Like, it has not been worse than this. Yet, what did he do? Is He still bought them back. If you relate this to Jesus, Jesus died on a cross. He paid a price for us. We were already his, but he chose to pay that price. Hosea was already married to Gomer. She was already his, yet he chose to pay the price. Why? Because he loves us. So I thought the perfect way to start this series off, would, when we're talking about prove it, prove that you love God, I thought it would be a great way to start off by, by proving that God loved you first. Isn't that a great way to start? God loves you first. The, the reason that we should love God is not, not because he, like, like we deserve that we get this right. We're we'll just be like, hmm, I'm going to show my love to whoever I want to. It's, no, no, no. God loved us first. He deserves for us to show it back to him. Okay? Christianity is a weird – it's weird in Christianity because um, other religions, the God, their God loves you based on what you do for the God. Meaning, like, like, I saw this with Buddhism when I was in Cambodia, and all these Buddhists were just like, uh, yeah, they're like, man, I, I got to pray all these times a day. I got to give a certain amount of money. Like, they had all these Buddha dolls with their hands out, and people would just come, and they were just dumping their cash on these things. And I said, oh, they're giving offering. That's nice. And they said, no, 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 good blessing, good blessing. Like, they were like, the more we give to this God, the more he'll give back to us. But Christianity, it's amazing because it's the complete opposite. We don't, we don't love the God in, in, in hope that God will do something good for us. God loved us first, so we should love him back. Put that bottom line up for me one more time, if you don't mind. I'm going to finish with this, and then, and then we'll, um, we'll break into our groups. But guys, um, just remember, you hit that bottom line for me. Yeah, here it is. God loved you first when you were at your worst. God loved you first when you were at your worst. If you're riding in the car home with your mom and dad tonight, and they say, hey, what would you learn in church today? You can say, well, Mom, Dad, Grandma, Grandpa, whoever's taking me home, God loved me first when I was at my worst. And the thing is, God had every reason not to love anybody in this room because we've all turned our back on God, yet he still did it. What a great God. Isn't he a great God? What a great Savior that he would love us even though. <laughs> I, hey, that's a legitimate clap. I'll give you that one. All right. Guys, let me pray for you guys, and then we'll break up. Okay, go ahead and bow your heads for me. Um, God, we come before you today, and it's easy to forget what you did for us on that cross by sending your son. But God, as we as we just focus on love this month, Lord, my prayer is that we can just remember that you loved us first. We had no, we we didn't deserve it. We didn't have any reason for you to love us, but you did. And so, God, my, my, my hope and my prayer for everybody this month is that, is that we can try to live our lives as best as we can giving back to you in the way that, that you feel loved, God. It's not enough to just come to church. Like a lot of us think that we prove we love you by just showing up to church. It's not enough, God. We, my, my, my prayer is that our hearts are in the right place. Where to truly love you means that we give all of ourselves to you, God. And that's my prayer. God, I pray as we divide up into our groups tonight, God, that we can have some good discussions. And and Lord, I just pray that we can be a student ministry that is so in love with you that we're willing to say and do whatever it takes to spread your gospel throughout this community, God. We love you and we thank you. We praise in your name. Amen.